Good evening, church. How are we all doing this evening? Doing well? Enjoying our beautiful Perth winter? Um, as our call to worship, I wanted to read from a passage of scripture that we studied last week, that we, we learned about in the sermon. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 onwards. And I don't know what kind of um, day or week or month or year it has been for some of you. Some of you it's been great. Some of you I'm sure it's been a bit of a challenge. I, I don't think any of us have had a, a, a year or a, or a life quite like the Apostle Paul who has gone through so much challenges, so many um, struggles, so many uh, trials. And yet, as he reflects upon the things that he has gone through, this is what he says, and I think this is an encouragement for us as well. So take this into your heart, into your soul. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the God we serve. This is the God whom we love. So can we stand together and worship Him because our God is for us. Son to free us, holds me in. 
with joy now our God is for us the Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress raise your voice now no love is greater who can stand against us if our God is for us sing with joy now our God is for us the Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress raise your voice now no love is greater who can stand against us if our God is for us? Let's pray together, church. Oh God, we thank you and we exalt your name because you are for us, you are with us and you stand by our side. We give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. One name holds weight above them all, and his fame outlasts the earth he and his praise. up church lift up your eyes lift up your eyes see the king has come light of the world reaching out for us there is no other name there is no other name jesus christ our god bow down as we lift him up there is no other name there is no other name jesus christ our god oh find hope find hope when His power 
light of the world reaching out for us there is no other name there is no other name jesus christ our god Christ our God, oh, Jesus. The earth will shake and tremble before Him. Chains will break as heaven. At this time, I want to invite the kids to come forward for all ages worship. If you're a child or a child at heart, you can come to the front. And today, we're going to sing a song that should be familiar to the adults as well. Come to the front, a bit to the side here, a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. If you guys want to come on stage, you can as well. Let's get the rolling. All right, for this song, we're going to need a bit of audience participation, okay? So what I'm going to do is get you to step left and right like this. Three, four, left, right. All right, a bit of a sway. And if you can manage it, you can clap as well. Ready? Like this. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. 
quieter. When and when I'm afraid, I'm gonna let it shine. Even when I'm afraid, I'm gonna let it shine. Even when I'm afraid, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. This little light, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. All right. And we're going to get one, someone to pray for us today. Our Father in heaven, thank you for all the love and joy you give us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to be the light of the world. We pray that you would us to speak light to the people around us so that they would see Jesus in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, before we dismiss the kids, we're going to do scripture at Subi. Our final one for this, for this month, all right? So, the scripture today is Luke 6, verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Why did you give these kids a round of applause? Kids, you can head down to your Sunday school. And adults, before you take a seat, greet someone next to you as well. Give them a really warm Subi welcome. Good evening, everybody. Good to be with you. My name is Chin. I'm one of the pastors at Sui Church. And as you can see, I have Jordan with me uh, right now to my left. And if you don't know, this is Jordan, and he is part of our uh, ministry here at Sui Church. He's been serving as a youth pastor. And this weekend is the last weekend that Jordan and his family will be with us, because after this weekend, they will be going over and serving at Wilson Christian Church, and Jordan will be uh, one of the associate minister over there. And so one of the things that we want to do as a church before he goes, before he uh, goes to Wilson Christian Church, we want to acknowledge, we want to praise, praise God for his goodness towards us in blessing us with Jordan and his family. We, we are blessed. We, the youth, they are blessed. The youth leaders, we are blessed. And the church as a whole, we are blessed for his leadership and the ministry in Subi Youth. And so one of the things that we want to do is to really to thank God and really thank Jordan as well for the, his ministry at Subi. And before he leaves, one of the things that we want to do is to pray for him and to commission him. And we want to pray that God will continue to bless him and that he will continue to be a blessing wherever he goes. Now before we do that, Jordan has something to share with us. And so I'm going to pass the mic to Jordan. Thanks, Chin. I'll try to be quick, all right? I know you're up here with me, so... Yeah, good evening everyone. This is, uh, as Chin said, this is our final week and almost four years at Subi. And I must say we have, we have really loved it. We have loved it, been a part of this church community and serving on this ministry team. And so I thought I'd be up here just to share a, a few words of thanks and maybe give you guys a little bit of context as to how we got here and, uh, and what uh, Subi has meant for us. So 
And some of you will know uh, I am a carpenter by trade. I was saved at age 18. And uh, like many young men saved at that age, I was very passionate about sharing Jesus and the gospel with uh, those around me. I felt a strong internal call, uh, commonly called for lack of a, a strong internal call to um, enter into some, like full-time ministry or what is commonly called vocational ministry. And, and that was on my heart from the very start. And that call was confirmed to me by other Christians around me who sort of encouraged me in that direction. And so seeking to be faithful to that, to what we felt like God was, well, I felt like God was leading me into, I um, signed up for theological studies and, and I completed a diploma in theology. But as circumstances would have it, after getting married and having our first young child, we just couldn't afford to continue, for me to continue in those studies. Uh, and so I jumped back onto the tools, been a carpenter, and I thought, you know, somehow, in some way, if, if God sort of wants it to happen, then he'll make it happen. And we were still sort of working towards that, that goal. Um, but yeah, I just didn't, didn't really understand what that might look like. I eventually accepted an interim pastor's position at Mundaring Church of Christ. And I did that for a year and really loved that. Uh, but it, for us to stay there would have meant that I would have had to work as a carpenter, as a pastor and study and then be a father and a husband to a young family. And I thought, I just can't do it. You know, you can't offer your body to Jesus as a living sacrifice if you run it into the ground. And so I thought, uh, yeah, just wasn't able to make that work. And so cutting a long story short, we moved four hours north of Perth to a little country town called Dongra where I worked as a boat builder. And I think at that stage, I just was ready to hand it over to God, to say, okay, well, this looks like it. I'm happy just to serve in a church and serve in ministry, but I'll continue on the tools. I'll go get my builder's ticket or something like that. And so I kind of, eventually I sort of pushed it aside and handed it over to God and said, that seems to be it for vocational ministry. But uh, as God would have it, the door wasn't quite shut. It was wedged open just ever so slightly. And uh, just when I was about to sign a new lease uh, contract for the house that we were living in and a new job contract as well, uh, Subi Church contacted us and said, we, had, we actually had no affiliation with Subi Church. And so it was just through um, yeah, a friend of a friend in a sense. And they contacted us and Pastor David shared that there might be an opportunity here at Subi and they know a bit about us and that I'm looking to finish studies and that sort of thing. And by God's providence and mercy and grace we ended up here among you among you all here for the last four years and so we are very thankful for that uh, just uh, just now this last semester gone by I have finished the Bachelor of Theology and so I'm very thankful for that and really what I'm up here to the reason why I'm sharing this is just to simply say that it is because of your love and your generosity and your support that I stand here now and I continue in full-time gospel kingdom work and that is a fruit of your labor so in whatever ways uh, God sees uh, in sort of in whatever in whatever ministry God has prepared for us in the future and for as long as the Lord permits me to serve him on this earth we can say that 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 is a fruit of the love and support of Subi Church and so for that Subi Church will forever hold that place in our hearts we will forever look back at this church and see you guys as the means by which God provided for us in that way and that is a tremendous blessing for us and so uh, really um, I stand here just to say uh, thank you um, so much um, one final word that it has been a as I've mentioned it has been a wonderful blessing to serve here for the past four years and to work in this truly amazing ministry team which Pastor Chin and many others are a part of it has been a, a really incredible place to work and serve
It, it really, truly has. I've, I've really loved working in ministry and serving in ministry in this church. I am a direct recipient. Um, I've mentioned that, sorry. And, uh, and uh, most of all, not most of all, shivers. See, I'm nervous up here today. I've also served amongst a wonderful youth group and amazing youth leaders. Um, it's been such a blessing, and that has been part of that. So it's been the whole thing. It's been the fact that Subi has supported us and loved us. Um, it has been working here as part of a wonderful ministry team and serving on a youth ministry um, amongst great kids and, and wonderful youth leaders. And so thank you very much. Wow. Praise God for his faithfulness, and we are blessed. Can I invite Ruby up? And Ruby is one of the youth leaders that Jordan serves together with, and she has a little bit uh, to share as well with about Jordan. Um, hi, yes, I'm Ruby. Um, I'm one of the, the youth leaders that has been serving under Jordan's tyranny the last almost four years. Um, I prepared a roast tonight, but he paid me 20 bucks to just say nice things, so I'll stick to that. Um, Jordan, uh, I think you have to describe him as fun, which is so cool um, as a youth pastor. Um, it's so important for the kids to have someone fun on a Friday night after a long week of school. Um, so that's super, super cool to have been able to see you just bring such energy um, for the kids and the way that you're so intentional with them and authentic and real. Um, it's just been such a blessing to watch you um, uh, build that relationship with all the youth that we come through the door. Um, I think uh, you learning the kids' names was really fun to, to watch at the start, but we did um, sign in together last night and you did really good. Um, knows most of the kids' names, if not all. Um, and more than that, he knows about them, he knows their families, knows who they are, which is um, also really cool. Um, so that's Jordan with the youth. And then, obviously, my perspective as a youth leader, um, it's just been such an inspiration to see your passion and ferocity for the gospel. Um, it's, uh, yeah, real, yeah, I can't say inspirational enough, probably. Um, so cool to see um, the way that you've brought uh, our youth group leadership together uh, has been such a blessing. Um, we work so well as a team, which is so important for the kids. Um, you equip us and you make that a priority. Um, because you know that we've got a, a pretty decent-sized youth group and it's so hard for one person to have such a direct impact on all of the kids. So I think you acknowledged that and you did a really good job um, of being intentional with all of us leaders. By we, We've done Bible studies together, we've done retreats, um, thanks to the Weeks family down to Malloy, um, and it's been just so incredible these last four years to have you with us and we'll miss you so so much um, but we wish you all the best in the in the next journey um, with you and your family and uh, hopefully we can still see you around we've got one more night to go um, so hopefully that's uh, an awesome one to send you off thanks George oh thank you Ruby we're gonna pray for Jordan right now let me invite the elders and the staff and if you have been a youth leader uh, previously serving under Jordan or youth leader currently serving under Jordan, please come up to the stage as well because we want to pray for Jordan and lay our hands on him. And as they do that, let me read a passage. And I'm going to leave you with this, Jordan, to leave you with the Scriptures. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We remember before our God your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope uh, in, the Lord, our, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to always remember and thank God for all that you have done in blessing our youth ministries 
And we pray that you'll be a blessing as you go forward to um, Wilson Christian Church. So I'm going to invite Sean to pray for Jordan. Let us pray. Father Lord, we, about four years ago, we took in this young man, and now we're sending out an older man who has equipped, and we thank you that he's equipped a lot of young people. Not only just the youth, but as Ruby has mentioned, he has discipled the youth leaders too. And Lord, we always forever thankful that you have put him in our midst and that we have been able to use him and glorify your work, your name, through his work and serving his, the people of Subiaku Church. Lord, we want to send him off today because we know that you have a greater plan. We are sad, but yet we are happy. We know that you have a greater plan for him out there. And Lord, we will continue to uphold him and his family in your hands, that we ask that you will bless them, cherish them, use them to the full extent for your kingdom's work. Father, we thank you indeed. And we pray all this in your son, most precious name. Amen. Please keep praying for Jordan and his family. And now I think we have Kanaina bringing uh, the announcements. Thanks, everyone. And I think, it's, I think we can all agree that Jordan is going to be very missed here, um, but also a great blessing to where he's going next. Um, a welcome, very warm welcome to Subi Church. My name is Kanaina. I'm a member of staff here. We very often talk about our Connect cards, and this is for anyone new, visiting, um, or if you're a regular here, you can get in touch with us using this Connect card. Um, there are physical ones right next to you, or there are QR codes around the auditorium as well for you to scan in and send us a digital one. An important part of our worship to God here at Subi Church is our, the giving of our offering. And we can worship God because of what he's done for us. Uh, in Christ Jesus, and we can worship him with a heart of joy and thanksgiving. So if you'd like to um, give your offering, there is an offering box in the back of the auditorium and some envelopes there for you to give a physical offering, or you can also do that online. Just chat to any one of the staff or somebody with a red lanyard, and we can assist you with doing that. We have some upcoming events this month. Next Wednesday... At 7.30 in the Church Cafe, we've got a women's ministry night. Um, and we have Esther Ong, who serves as a BSF teaching leader. She'll be speaking about the difference this makes to us in knowing and loving God better. We'll also have Catherine Duvall. Some of you might know her. She's Pastor Ben and Sherry's daughter. She will be sharing a bit of her testimony with us. So all women are welcome, of course. And if you could assist us in planning for this, please um, RSVP via your Connect card. And there's also a, a box in the back of the auditorium for you to put your Connect card in. Lastly, there is a table in the foyer this weekend for Pregnancy Problem House. Um, that table is for you to drop off any items you'd like to donate. Um, you can drop off food, uh, you can drop off child car seats that you'd like to give. Um, and we just want to say thank you as well for your generosity in giving so much already. These things are going to mums and families in need. So thank you so much for blessing our community this way. Let's now come to the Lord in prayer as we prepare our hearts uh, to hear from God's word. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, our King of kings and Lord of lords, you are our almighty God. You are ruler and creator of all things. You alone are worthy of all our praise. Lord, we have sinned and fallen short of your glory. Thank you for the most precious gift of your son Jesus who died for us while we were still sinners and because of your amazing love for us. We know that the forgiveness of sins and the life that we have in you is because of your goodness and mercy to us, not because of anything we ourselves have done to deserve it. We thank you, Lord, for your wonderful grace and faithfulness in saving us so that we're not only reconciled to you but adopted as your children and co-heirs with Christ. We pray that your spirit would continue to remind us of this glorious truth that we are safe and secure in you and that nothing in all creation can separate us from your love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, there are many of us who have loved ones who don't yet know you. We ask that you would move their hearts towards you, that they would come to personally know the love of Christ and acknowledge him as their savior and king. Please surround them with your people and draw them to you, that their lives and their hearts would be transformed for your glory. Lord, please also be with us today as we hear from your word. Please be with Pastor David as he preaches on Romans 9. Prepare our hearts and minds to listen. May our understanding of your grace and glory deepen more and more as you grow us more and more into the likeness of your Son. We ask these things in his precious name. Amen. Now we'll ask Kendrick up for the Bible reading. This week's Bible reading is taken from Romans 9 verses 1 to 29. If you are able to, I invite you to stand with me as we read from God's word. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel, Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor, because they are his descendants, are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet, before the twins were born, or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by the works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, 
Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on who I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he has wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Verse 19. One of you will say to me, Then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does the potter not have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, who he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles? As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people, who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one, who is not my loved one, and in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the Israelites be like the sand of by the sea, only the remnant will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence on earth with speed and finality. It is just as Isaiah said previously, Unless the Lord Almighty has left us descendants, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. You may take a seat. <clears throat> Good evening, church. Great to see you this evening. If you're new or visiting, special warm welcome to you. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. And we hope that your time with us this evening is a blessed one. Now, there was a 10-year-old boy, and he had been misbehaving at school. But he promised his teacher that he would not misbehave anymore. But it wasn't long before he was again caught doing the wrong thing. Uh, and so his teacher called him out. She said, Do you remember what you promised me? He said, yes, I promised that uh, I wouldn't misbehave anymore. She said, do you remember what I promised you? He said, yes, you promised that you would send me to the principal's office. But, but since I broke my promise, it's okay if you break your promise too. Now, that kid doesn't quite get the whole promise thing, does he? That's not how promises work. Last week we saw at the end of uh, Romans chapter 8, we saw and we heard that Paul was proclaiming that nothing 
could get in the way of God's promises to save his people and to take them to glory. Nothing could get in the way of that. But at the time of Paul's writing, very few of God's chosen people, the Jews, were being saved. But the non-Jews were being saved in their thousands. It looked like the Jews had been disinherited and misplaced, replaced. Had God's promises to his people, the Jews, failed? Maybe God's word was not reliable. And today, only 1% to 2% of Jews across the world are saved, and yet non-Jews are being saved in their tens of millions. If God has gone back on his promises to save his people, then how can he be trusted to keep his promise to us and take us to glory? Romans chapter 9 answers these questions. Uh, many people believe that Romans chapter 9 is one of the most difficult and most controversial chapters in the Bible, and the others haven't read it. Uh, disagreements over how to understand this chapter uh, have led to friendships that have ended, churches that have split, and pastors who have been fired. So here goes. I really don't want that to happen as a result of the message today. Uh, but Romans chapter 9 begins a new section in the letter. So we have, we have gone through uh, the introduction. We've seen the first four chapters coming under grace. We've just finished chapter 5 to 8, living under grace. And now we're beginning chapters 9 to 11, the overflow of grace. Uh, there are three points in the talk this evening. The first one is this. What counts is not race, but grace. Have a look with me in verse 1. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Paul is in pain. It's palpable, isn't it? He's in anguish because so many of his fellow Jews refused to believe in Christ and be saved. They, the Jews had grown up in the family home. They, they were the first children of God. God had chosen them from all the nations of the world. He'd piled on all the privileges to them. He'd promised that they would be his people always and yet, by and large, they were not being saved. And this is deeply personal for Paul. His father is Jewish. His mother is Jewish. His friends are Jewish. Paul says, God, I would go to hell if that would mean my loved ones could go to heaven. He says, God, damn me if by damning me, my fellow Jews could be saved. I feel his pain. I have flesh and blood that don't know the Lord. 
It kills me. Have God's promises to his people failed? Have a look with me in verse 6. It's not as though God's word had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. Abraham is the father of the Jewish faith. But for a long time, it didn't look like he would be because he was in his 70s, his wife was in her 60s, and they didn't have a child. And then when Abraham was 75 and Sarah was 65, and both of them had had both their hips replaced and both their knees replaced, and they were checking out retirement homes, God promised that they would have a son. More years went by, but nothing happened. And so Abraham took things into his own hands, and he did an Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he had a son with his maidservant, and they named him Ishmael. Now then Abraham then turns 100, and Sarah turns 90. Still nothing's happened. And they're in the nursing home now, right? And they're watching reruns on daytime TV, but yet, miraculously, they have the son that God had promised when he was 100 and she was 90 in the nursing home, and they named him Isaac. It was through Isaac that God's promises to Israel, for Israel, to be his children were made, not through Ishmael. The promises of God were never given automatically to the physical descendants of Israel, but to a chosen Israel within Israel. What counted was not race, but grace. What counted was not being the firstborn, the promises came through the younger. What, what was important was God's mercy. Have a look with me in verse 10. Not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Remember, they had twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau uh, was also, named, also known as who? Edom. Esau means hairy. Edom means red. So Esau probably looked a bit like Elmo off Sesame Street. Um, the first came out red, all his body like a hairy coat. So they have Jacob and Esau. Then verse 11, Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. That's strong language. But loved and hated here are not emotions that God feels, but they are actions that God carries out. He chooses to have mercy on Jacob, but he rejects Esau. Now, it wasn't that God looked into the future 
and he saw uh, Jacob and he thought, wow, he's a good guy. He turns out to be a good guy. He believes in me. I'm going to choose him. And it's not like he looked into the future and he saw, wow, Esau, he's a real rat bag. He doesn't believe in me, so I'm not going to choose him. No, Jacob was just as much a rat bag as Esau, wasn't he? Jacob was a liar. He was a deceiver. There was nothing in the character of Jacob or Esau that would make you choose one over the other. But God chose to have mercy on Jacob. But he chose not to have mercy on Esau. That was his sovereign choice. God does not choose us because we believe, but that we may believe. God chooses those who will be saved on the basis of his own will. Not on the basis of anything outside himself and not on the basis of anything in the person that he saves. But to choose Jacob and reject Esau, does that sound unfair to you? Well, let's have a look. Second point this evening is God has mercy on whom he wishes. Have a look with me in verse 14. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Pharaoh was the most powerful person on the planet. He was the man. He built an empire. He built the pyramids on the back of Israelite slaves. God sends Moses to Pharaoh. Moses says, let my firstborn son Israel go. Pharaoh says, who are you? I don't know who you are and I'm not going to let your firstborn son Israel go. So God sends plagues to show, God, to show Pharaoh who's boss. He sends a plague of blood. He then sends a plague of frogs. There are frogs everywhere. You can't breathe in without swallowing frogs. Pharaoh's magicians then produce frogs to show that their magic, their dark magic, is just as powerful as God's. Now, I would have thought at that point, removing frogs would have been a better thing, but they produce more frogs. Pharaoh has had enough. He taps out. He says, right, no, you win. God gets rid of the frogs, but Pharaoh hardens his heart, and he won't let God's firstborn son Israel go. And so God sends a plague of gnats. Gnats everywhere. You can't breathe in without swallowing gnats. Pharaoh has enough. He taps out. He says, you win. God gets rid of the gnats. Pharaoh hardens his heart. He does not let God's people go. So God sends a plague of flies. Flies everywhere. You can't breathe in without swallowing flies. Pharaoh's had enough. He taps out. He says, you win. But then he hardens his heart and he won't let God's people go. 
And so God sends more plagues and then God hardens Pharaoh's heart even further as an act of judgment. Now, Pharaoh couldn't say, hang on, God, that's unfair. How am I supposed to obey you when you've hardened my heart? It's not my fault I've disobeyed you. You've hardened my heart. Now, when God hardens someone, he is confirming them in the decision that they have already made for themselves. He hands them over to the consequences of the state that they are already in. The natural disposition of every human heart is that we are hard towards God. So when God hardens someone, he doesn't change someone from a soft heart, a pure heart, to a hard heart. He will change someone from a hard heart to a harder heart. And God's mercy and his hardening are not equivalent acts. God hardens those who deserve it. He has mercy on those who don't deserve it. Now, could God have softened Pharaoh's heart just like he softened Moses' heart? Yes, he could, but instead he hardens Pharaoh's heart further. That's his sovereign choice. Have a look with me in verse 19. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? Now, Paul's not saying that you can't ask God sincere questions. Of course we can. God is our loving Father. He invites us to come to him with our concerns, with our worries, with our anxieties. But what he's saying is it is totally wrong for the creature to say to the creator, that sucks the way you do that. Paul says, hang on, hang on, let's not forget who we're talking to here. Know your place. There comes a point where we just need to acknowledge that we're the creature. God is the creator. It's his sovereign choice to choose who he wishes. If we, if we choose to take issue with him, then we've misunderstood our position in relationship to him. He is our maker and he can do with us as he chooses. He's not answerable to anyone. But we've got to remember, this is the God who left the most glorious place in all the universe, his heavenly throne, and swapped it for the most shameful place in all the universe, the Roman cross. So this is a God we can trust. All human beings are rebels against God. All of us have given God the forks, have rebelled against him. God is angry at this rebellion. We deserve his judgment. If it was a matter of fairness, you and I would both be condemned. The wonder is that God saves anyone. God saved me? That's the wonder. I'm a rat bag. God saved me? That's the wonder. If God chooses to give people what they deserve, he is being fair. If God shows mercy to just one person, 
He's being overwhelmingly generous. Paul's saying, those who go to hell have no one to blame but themselves. Those who go to heaven have no one to thank but Jesus Christ. Now, it's easy to become frustrated when those whom we love do not come to faith. I know many of you experience that. I experience that. And while our concern is right, and we can take those concerns to God, we are in no position to dictate how God works. Or how he should work in our mind. Have a look with me in verse 22. What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Why didn't God wipe Pharaoh out after the first plague? Why did, he, why did he patiently bear with Pharaoh in his defiance for ten plagues? Why didn't he just wipe him out first go? Because, he was, because of his defiance. Because God's rescue wouldn't have been so spectacular. And Pharaoh wouldn't have experienced the full force of God's wrath and power and God's people wouldn't have experienced the mercy of God in such a wondrous way. Pharaoh tries to destroy God's firstborn son, Israel. And so God patiently puts up with Pharaoh and he, in order to raise the stakes higher and higher until Pharaoh loses his firstborn son. God patiently puts up with Pharaoh so he can raise the stakes even higher. Pharaoh chases Israel into the sea with all his army. He thinks, look, I'm zero from ten, but I'm going to have a crack at God again. And Israel goes through on dry ground and then the waters crash on the army of Pharaoh and they are all destroyed. Pharaoh is overwhelmed by God's power and Israel is overwhelmed by God's mercy. God's hardening of Pharaoh meant that his rescue was so spectacular and Pharaoh's defeat so catastrophic that God's name has been glorified and exalted ever since. And his people have been praising him for his mercy for 4,000 years and will do so for all eternity. God bore with great patience the hard heart and wickedness of Pharaoh in order to bring about the rescue of the Jews. And then, in the same way, God bore with great patience the wickedness and the hard heart of the Jews who killed the Son of God in order to bring about the rescue of the world. God endured the objects of his wrath in order to extend mercy to more people, including you and me. It was God's purpose that Israel would reject the Messiah 
so that the Messiah would save the world. But at the same time, it was Israel's responsibility that they rejected the Messiah because their hearts were hard. Why did the Jews reject Christ? Because they did not seek righteousness God's way, did they? God's way of righteousness is to be received as a gift through Christ. But the Jews stumbled over this offer of mercy because of their own pride. They insisted on achieving righteousness by keeping the law, but you, you can't do it that way. The message of the gospel is not you climb up the ladder, but God lowers down the rope. But their pride meant that they rejected that mercy. Verse 25. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant will be saved. Paul quotes God's promises in the Old Testament to demonstrate that God's plan all along, since the very beginning, was to extend mercy beyond Israel to the ends of the earth, including you and me. But only a remnant of Israel would be saved. It's God's choice alone who will be included amongst his people. This is how he has been working consistently throughout history. His promises have not failed. And so we can be sure of his faithfulness to us. That's Paul's argument. But to finish, I want to get a bit personal. Third point. God's mercy humbles us to our knees. There was a man named Mark, and one day he opens the front door of his house, and his two-year-old runs past him and runs headlong towards the busy four-lane road that he lived on. Just be between him and the road was the front garden and a footpath, uh, and that was it. And so he runs after her, he grabs her, he, he explains carefully, look, don't run away from daddy again and don't run towards that traffic. Now she obeys for, for a few weeks, but then one day when he's putting his newborn son into the car, you know, the car seat and trying to... Ashley just runs from his legs and runs headlong towards the street. He calls out, Ashley, come back to daddy, come back. But she thinks it's just a game, she's smiling but she doesn't know the danger that's ahead of her. Mark runs after her as quick as his 40-year-old uh, legs would carry him, but by the time he starts, she's already through the garden, she's past the footpath, and she's stepped onto the road between two parked cars that were, happened to be there in that first lane. Mark looks up and he sees this truck that is trundling down the street towards his daughter. Now he, he knows that she's too short to be seen by the driver and he thinks that he's going to see his daughter die in front of his eyes. Ashley takes two steps into that second lane with that truck trundling towards her. By that time Mark has finally caught up with her. He grabs her by the collar, pulls her out as the truck 
Frundle's path. Mark subsequently moved house. But here's the kicker. What Mark did for his daughter, God did for each one of us who are believers here today. We were all running away from God. We were running towards destruction. We ignored his call to come back. But out of his overwhelming love and mercy, God our Father, he pursues us, he catches us, and he pulls us towards himself. And he decided to do this before the creation of the world. God, we're told, God prepared in advance for glory those who are the objects of his mercy. He, he predestined, if you're a believer, he predestined you, which means he predetermined your destiny before the creation of the world. Without God doing this, no one would be saved because no one will turn to God of their own initiative. We've seen that in Romans so far. No one will turn to God. God must be the one to pursue us and to pull us to himself. And he does it because of his overwhelming mercy and love. God is the author of a believer's salvation. But those who are not saved are the authors of their own condemnation. Paul says that they are prepared for destruction. Notice he doesn't say that they're prepared in advance. And notice he doesn't say that God prepares them for destruction. There's an asymmetry here. Uh, it's people's sin that prepares them for their own destruction. God does not predestine people to hell. This is not duck, duck, damn. We need to be careful that we don't try and look over God's shoulder in eternity past and imagine that he's playing some form of eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Because we know from the rest of Scripture, we know that God our Saviour wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. In 2 Peter, we know that the Lord is not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. But God chooses not to rescue some people off the path of destruction that they choose for themselves. Why God chooses to rescue some people and not all is a mystery too deep for us to fully comprehend. But we know that for all eternity, God's purpose has been for to save a people who will glorify him for his mercy. And we need to remember that no one is turned away who desires to be saved. One of the tragic characteristics of those condemned is precisely because is precisely that they do not desire to be saved. So if you're here tonight and you're not yet a Christian, God is saying to you, come back to daddy. Come back to your father. Stop running away. Where you're running will only lead to destruction. And so if you're here tonight and you're not a believer, put your faith in Christ, your savior. I'll give you an opportunity in a few moments 
to do that. And if you're a Christian here tonight, there are a whole lot of different implications that, that come out of this passage, which we can't go into this evening. Some of you might say, well, hang on, if God chooses who's going to be saved, then why bother praying if God's already chosen? Well, God, in his sovereignty, chooses to use our prayers in his sovereign purposes. Uh, in the next chapter, Paul actually says this, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. He's praying for those Israelites. This should drive us to pray because it's God who changes hearts. So he's the one that we ask. Some people might say, well, hang on, if God's already chosen who he's chosen, then why evangelize? Because it's only the, the chosen who are going to come and be Christian. Well, the answer to that is that he saves those he chooses by them responding to the gospel. And so we tell the gospel to everyone. And those who he's chosen will respond. This should give us a confidence in evangelism because we know that those who are his are going to respond. But above all, I believe that this passage is meant to send each one of us to our knees. Because there is no doctrine so deeply humbling to human pride as the doctrine of God's sovereign mercy. That my inclusion in the people of God owes nothing to me. It comes entirely from the mercy of God. When I comprehend that there are people going to hell and that I deserve to go to hell too, I am just as much as a rat, of a rat bag as them. I'm no better than anyone else, but God saved me through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. I just want to glorify him and praise him and exalt him, and I won't be able to stop praising him and exalting him for all eternity. What will be your response? Let's pray. Father in heaven, this is a very deep and profound word that we have explored this evening. We pray, Lord, that you give us wisdom to understand your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that though we did not deserve it, you have saved us. If you were a fair God, we would all be condemned. But because of your overwhelming generosity and grace, you have chosen to extend your arm of mercy to us and we thank you and we pray for our loved ones who don't know you you are the one who changes hearts and so we ask that you would change their hearts and that you would bring them to yourself that they would stop running away from their father and that they would turn to you
And I pray, Lord, that you would give us confidence as we go and evangelize and tell those who don't know you. Give us the confidence because we know that some will respond because your children are out there ready to hear the gospel. If you're here tonight and you're not yet a believer, God is saying to you, come back to daddy. Come back to your heavenly father. Stop running away. And if that's you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come back to your heavenly father right now. It simply comes with a prayer, asking God into your life, turning away from your sins and trusting in the Lord Jesus. You might want to say this prayer in the quietness of your own heart. Dear God, I'm sorry that I've run away from you. I know that this leads to destruction. Thank you for your overwhelming love and mercy in sending your son Jesus to bring me back to you. I trust in that. I turn away from my old life and I choose to live for you. Amen. If, that's, if you've prayed that prayer tonight, please let me know. Please let someone know. We'd love to help you in the next step of your Christian walk. We've come now to a time of communion. I'm going to ask the helpers to come down the front. I'd like, just like you to, re to reflect on what we've just said. If it was a matter of fairness, you and I would be condemned. The wonder is that God saves anyone at all. God saved me. God saved you. That is the wonder. And it is through the blood and the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you do call on Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to come up now and to take of the cup and to take of the bread. Please hold on to them and we'll take them together in a few moments. So please stand and come forward.
out of his overwhelming mercy and love, our Father has pursued us and pulled us back to himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us eat. Our inclusion in God's family owes nothing to us. We owe it all to the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us drink and be thankful. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that your word would be implanted in our hearts, that it would grow, that it would take root, and these truths would send us to our knees in humility. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's affirm our faith in the God who we love. Can I invite you to stand as we sing our last song? I believe 
like some prayer please come down the front there'll be someone who'd love to pray with you some uh, pretty heavy word and so deep word so if you'd like to speak to someone please come down the front Jordan we're here to uh, um, say goodbye so please come and uh, speak to him and uh, give him the appreciation uh, and how he's affected your life and your kids lives otherwise let's finish with benediction father we thank you for all that has happened here this evening. We thank you for your word. We are humbled by it. We ask, Lord, that you would have mercy on our loved ones, that we pray, Lord, that you would fill us with thanksgiving for what you have done for us, and that would strengthen us for the week to come. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.